0: So I've got a, I've got a question, and, and it's a question that came to me while I was reading those first few chapters of Luke. I was wondering why everyone who had an encounter with an angel was gripped with great fear. I mean, we see that Zechariah was gripped with fear. We, we see the angel saying to Mary, do not be afraid, which implies that she was afraid. And we see the the shepherds, I think they've got the strongest description of fear. It says they were filled, not just with fear, but with great fear. They were filled with great fear. And I was wondering why it would be a human being's immediate response when God manifests his glory, in this case with an angel. And you might say to me, well, it's because it's, it's, it's a paranormal experience. It's something spiritual. But, you know, when God displays his glory, and presumably this is what one would see. I've never seen an angel. But when you, when you look at an angel and it talks about the glory shone around, the, the angel is reflecting the glory of God. So it's showing his beauty. It's showing his peace. It's showing his justice It's showing his honesty, all of those things. And why would we be afraid if we saw a manifestation of that? It's a good question, isn't it? The other thing that I've been wondering about um, is, is a sort of an observation. I often find myself thinking that I'm just too ordinary to make a difference for God. And maybe you feel the same way. So maybe you're thinking, Taylor Swift, she should be the one who God calls to spread the gospel. Because after all, she's the Times Person of the Year, isn't she? Did you, did you get that? I just didn't get it. Why would Taylor Swift be the, person, the Times Person of the Year? I mean, Times gives that award to someone who's been in the news the most. And so she's, she's standing there along with people like Nelson Mandela and Zelensky and um, Albert Einstein. And I'm just like, surely we've got more to be interested in on the news than Taylor Swift. But, you know, if Taylor Swift was spreading the gospel, imagine what an earthquake she would create, so much more than the earthquake that she created at one of her shows. Did you read about that? There it is there. That one there on the top was called the Beastquake. That was an earthquake that was generated when this guy called, the nickname the Beast, scored a touchdown in American football. But you can see that Taylor Swift's concert um, generated something even more exciting than that, 2.3 magnitude on the Richter scale. Um, and her latest tour grossed over a billion dollars. And so, like, surely she would be the right person to be spreading the gospel news. So what I'd like you to do is just to keep that question and that observation in your mind as we come to today's passage. Why is it that people are so terrified when they see a manifestation of God's glory? And why is it that God chooses ordinary people like us to spread the gospel? And can we? Can we spread the gospel? So let's read Luke chapter 2 verses 8 to 20. And then we'll, we'll crack on from there. He was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So we're going to unpack this uh, passage using three different uh, headings, the message, the messengers, and the response. The message, the messengers, and the response. So first of all, the message. Let's dive in there. Look at that uh, in verse 8. Some shepherds were in the region, out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Um, so just to set this, the scene there, uh, around Jerusalem, this is Bethlehem, which is close to Jerusalem, at the time when there were, were feasts in the temple um, and different uh, things to be celebrated, there was a requirement for a huge number of sheep for the sacrifices. So the shepherds would have been out living in the, living rough in the fields looking after the sheep so that they could sell them to people who had come to to worship. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And then the angel tells the shepherd not to be afraid. So he says, Fear not. And then he gives an explanation why they shouldn't be afraid. So the antidote to the fear is actually the message that we're going to be looking at today. And if that is the antidote to the fear, then maybe it's going to give us some clues as to why people are afraid when they see the glory of God manifested in an angel. So let's have a look at the message. It's good news of great joy for all people. So that word good news is euangelion. It's the same word that's often translated the gospel, the good news. It means literally the joy News. And it was a word chosen by Jesus and the, and the disciples because it was used at the time in secular literature. And euangelion was news, now we need to get this, of an objective history-changing event that altered everyone's situation and that everyone needed to respond to. Very important news, good news. So perhaps the best example of this was in BC 490, there was a battle fought called the Battle of Marathon. What had happened was that the Persians had come in and invaded Greece and they were marching on Athens. So the people of Athens sent out an army to engage the Persians on the, battle, in the battlefields of Marathon, the plains of Marathon. And this army was a very ragtag army. A lot of them weren't soldiers. A lot of them were just farmers and tradesmen who'd actually taken the tools of their trade to use as weapons. And so everybody expected them to lose, but they didn't. They actually won the battle. And so at that point it was imperative to send back the Evangelion to Athens, the good news, because otherwise people would likely be leaving the city, running away, thinking that there's going to be rape and pillage, there'd be looting happening. And so they sent back the good news and they sent it with a single runner who ran 22 and a half miles, which is the distance of a marathon in in the modern marathon race. And when he arrived at Athens, he ran through the city gates and he shouted out, Rejoice, we have triumphed. An objective, history-changing event that affects everybody and that everybody needs to respond to so there was no reason for these shepherds to fear because the angels were bringing good news good news of an objective history changing event that's going to alter their situation for the better and it came in the form of a baby lying in a manger isn't that strange and not only was it good news for the shepherds but it says there it was good news for all people Good news of great joy that would be for all people. But what was the message? Here it is. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then this is the sign. You're going to find the baby, etc., etc. I just love the fact that God's message to us is a person. Don't you love that? you know when we hear a message there's a whole lot of checking and questioning and doubt about the message but when we actually see the message in the form of a person a person who can be verified by history there are no historians that would deny that Jesus Christ lived that he lived an amazing life and that he died on the cross there are historical facts that relate to his resurrection that we can go and check so the message was this baby lying in a manger. But no ordinary message, no ordinary person. First of all, look at some of his titles there. He is a savior. In other words, a person who saves. But what will he save us from? And I think this is very important. As we start to grapple with this idea of why do we feel frightened when we are exposed to the glory of God? He's come, according to Matthew, To save his people from their sins. That's what Jesus means. Do you know that Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua, which means the Lord saves. Isn't that a lovely name for Jesus? The Lord saves. But it implies to us that that there is something that we need to be saved from. But why is he called the Lord saved? Well, because according to the angel, he will save his people from their sins. Folks, we have this sin problem that we need to be rescued from. Without the work of a savior, we are not going to have peace with God, and nor is he going to be pleased with us. But the message of the angels, look at what they said. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among men those with whom he is pleased this implies that we are at enmity with god doesn't it our state our fallen state is one of being an enemy of god peace needs to be restored and this savior is going to bring peace to us peace between us and god and also he's going to put us in a place where we're actually um the recipients of god's pleasure God is going to be pleased with us. And that that Greek word there, pleased, it's the same word that Luke uses in chapter 3, verse 22. Let's read it. When Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. This is what Jesus can do for us. Jesus can restore our relationship with God so that we're no longer his enemies, so that we're at peace with him. But not only that, but that also he would be pleased with us. That's the implication of this connection. God establishes peace, but he also takes pleasure in us. Isn't that beautiful? I just love the fact that God looks at me and he sees me in Christ and he's pleased with me. And it's the same for you. It doesn't matter who you are. If you put your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Saviour, he can, he can restore you to that place of peace with God and so that you can experience God's pleasure. Folks, the reason why everyone in Luke was terrified when they saw the angel was that deep down they knew that they had reason to be afraid every one of us unless we avail ourselves of what jesus can do for us we have good reason to be afraid you may not have seen an angel but there's enough records here in the bible that it's a terrifying thing and it's because when we see that angel we see the purity of god we see the justice of god and we know that we just simply do not measure up and that we will experience. His judgment, unless we're saved from our position. And so that message, it's just such good news and it's great joy for all people. And it was a person, a savior, savior, I beg your pardon, to rescue us from our sins so that we could be put into right standing with God and become his children, the objects of his pleasure. But there's more to learn about this man who was God's message to us. Look at his titles. He is Christ, and he is the Lord. The word Christ was a Greek word, and it meant the anointed one. And it was used to translate the Hebrew word Messiah. So what the angels were telling the shepherds was that this little baby is God's Messiah, They would have known all the prophecies just as many of us do from the Old Testament about the Messiah who was coming to save his people. This was the one. This little baby in swaddling cloths was the Christ. But he was also the Lord. And that Greek word translated Lord was originally only reserved for God in the Old Testament. But the New Testament writers started using it for Jesus. What were they saying? They were saying... He's the Messiah, but he's also God. Isn't that remarkable? Jesus is a very remarkable person. And this is the message that God has actually sent us. So much better than a voicemail. Because it's a person. A person that we can relate to. A person, the Bible tells us, who actually comes and takes residence in our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit when we put our faith and our trust in him. So let's have a look at the messengers now. First of all, the angels. It says there that God sent a multitude of angels to be his messengers. And and of course, that's fitting, isn't it? If God's going to send a message to the earth, why not send a multitude of angels? But why would he send this sort of um, sound and light show, if you like, to a bunch of shepherds sitting in a field? You know, why didn't he go down and send them down to to the palace down in Caesarea? where where Pontius Pilate was why didn't he send them to the to the temple where there would be hundreds and thousands of people all worshipping anybody who was somebody would have been there why not send them there but he didn't he sent them to a small group of shepherds and you know shepherds, I think many of us know this they didn't have a great reputation They, they were petty thieves they had no influence they had no education, they had no clout I think you get the picture, don't you? But wasn't that God's point? I think it was God's point. is that God favors the weak and the powerless. He's not limited by the weakness of His children. And how often do we feel weak in the face of what we experience in life? Even once we've been born again and adopted into God's family, we still feel weak. But what God is saying here is it doesn't matter if you feel weak. Once you're my child... My strength can be perfected in your weaknesses. I find that such an encouraging thought, and and I hope that you do as well. God can use you to spread the good news. If he could use shepherds, if he chose to use them rather than sending angels, if he chose to use Kathy Hull instead of Taylor Swift, (laughs) then surely that's the best way for it to be. An army of people just like us who are spreading the good news. And folks, the good news is actually not that difficult to share. It's very simple. What we're saying to people is have a look at Jesus. Jesus is God's message to us. He's the message. Have a look at him and, and, and he's a verifiable person. There I don't think there are any historians who would deny that Jesus Christ lived and existed we can check out the facts of his like life in in um, historical documents and not only the gospels as well what are we telling people check out jesus remember that his very name means the lord saves that's something else that we can tell them jesus means the lord saves have you thought of that his titles are messiah christ he's god's messenger to us he's the anointed one he he is the lord he is god these are remarkable things and it's a very simple message that we need to share with people just like i was in this place and i checked out jesus and he started calling me and and as i explored him and explored the faith and as he revealed himself to me you know, this is what happened. So, the messengers, angels, and shepherds. Let's lastly look at the response of the shepherds. And also, all who heard. And then, thirdly, Mary herself. Let's first of all look at the shepherds. The shepherds responded in two different ways. The first way that they responded was that they believed the message. They said, Let us go over to Bethlehem. And see this thing that has happened. Not, let's go over to Bethlehem and see if this thing has happened. They believed. Once they'd heard that message, they believed. And their response showed that they believed because they went into, Jeru- uh, into Jerusalem to go, uh, Bethlehem, I beg your pardon, to go and see what was going on. So that's the first thing. They believed. But then they also made known, in other words, that means, that word that's translated made known, means to publish abroad or to make known thoroughly. So they they responded by believing, and their belief was backed up by their actions, and they went to see for themselves, and then they spread the joy news. What about all those people who heard the message? And this is when we start to see a contrast in responses. In verse 18, it says, "And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them." Folks, um, Luke is about to create a contrast between the the response of everybody, all who heard, and Mary herself. But let's just have a look at all who heard. They wondered. You know, many people wonder at the story of Jesus. They're amazed. It is an amazing story. They marvel at Jesus. Jesus is the single most influential human to have ever lived. And he was crucified by the Romans like a slave, but within 360 years, his religion was in charge of the Roman Empire. That's the time that it took. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. This former slave and his followers, a couple of fishermen and a tax collector and a rebel, had ended up conquering, if you like, the most powerful empire on earth. And all of our values and beliefs today are shaped by Christianity. In the West, you can trace it back, all of the things that we value, even people that don't believe in Jesus and don't follow Jesus are still shaped by his beliefs and his values. So there's a lot to marvel at, but we need to do more than that. We, we need to do more than say Jesus was an amazing person. We need to do what Jesus did. I beg upon what Mary did. Verse 19. But Mary treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. Treasured up and pondered. The Hebrew people saw the heart as the center of your thoughts and your will and your emotions. And so if you treasure the message, which effectively means treasuring Jesus. It means asking him to take control of your will and of your thoughts and of your emotions. It means using all of those capacities and facilities that we have to treasure him above everything else. When you look at your will and what is motivating you, is it Jesus or is it other things? If you treasure Jesus in your heart, then your will will be aligned towards Jesus and what he wants. That's what it means to treasure Jesus. We need to go further than saying that he was simply an amazing historical figure. We need to recognize that he was God. We need to recognize that the whole reason why he came was to save us from our sins. We need to treasure him above everything else. And then it also says that Mary pondered him in her heart what does that mean well it means that we need to be working out the implications of everything that Jesus said and did in our mind because the mind is the eyes of the heart that's how it's described in the Bible And so as we ponder these things, as we reflect on them, as we read the Bible, that's why we read the Bible, is we we want our thinking to be shaped by God. And as that happens, as that light, if you like, comes through the eyes of our heart, through the mind, it trickles down and it starts changing the way we feel. It starts changing the things that motivate us. It starts changing our heart. And that's why she pondered these things in her heart folks just in conclusion today we need to to learn that God uses the ordinary Um, because the message is extraordinary so it's not really about us it's not really about us the messenger it's about this extraordinary message that we are taking to people it's a person and what a person he was Jesus the Lord saves. We need to explain to people that we, we need to be saved. We need to be saved, otherwise, when we face God one day, we're going to be overcome with fear rather than overcome with joy and excitement and love. Jesus saves. We need saving from our sins. He is the Christ, He's God's anointed one, He's the Messiah, the messenger. He's also the Lord. He's Christ, the Lord. He's God. And what he, what he does is he brings that peace between us and God. He reestablishes peace between us and God, a peace which was lost. Mankind lost it right from the very beginning when Adam and Eve rebelled in the garden. And it also puts us in that place where God is pleased with us. Wouldn't you love to be in that place where God is pleased with you, where he takes delight in you? I know when I read that, thing, that bit in, in Luke 3 where, where where God said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. I was just like, that is so amazing. And God can say, says that for me. There's Ian Ray. He's my son in whom I'm well pleased. There's Andrew Carper, my son in whom I'm well pleased. There's Janet Markison, my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. And perhaps you don't believe. And the, the thing is that that could be yet. Maybe you don't believe Yet i'm telling you now that if you're here today and you don't believe and you're starting to explore the christian faith it's because god is calling you nobody ever enters the kingdom of god without god calling them you he's the one who takes the initiative he's the one who broke into abraham's life and changed his life he's the one who broke into the life of these shepherds with the amazing angelic sound and light show He, he breaks he's the glorious intruder he breaks into our lives and, you know, if you're starting to get curious about Jesus, it's because God is calling you. He's calling you just like he called the shepherds. And so just in some ways sit back and enjoy the ride. Just start reading the Bible. Read this amazing story that we're reading. Luke chapter 1 to 24. The most amazing story ever told. Start to explore and God will draw you into his kingdom. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you that over the course of history you have confounded the strong by using weak people like us to extend your kingdom. And we thank you that your kingdom is advancing and it will continue to advance until the end of time. It will continue to grow. And Father, we just want to reaffirm our commitment to you today. We just want to say as a family that you're amazing. Give thanks for this incredible message that you sent us in Jesus Christ. To thank you also that your Holy Spirit makes that message alive in us and reminds us of it all day, every day. And, and also just to commit ourselves to taking that message to other people, taking the good news. And Father, I also want to pray for those people that, that, that you're calling, Father God, to yourself. I pray that you would open their eyes so that they would be able to believe that that man who lived 2,000 years ago and died on a cross actually took the punishment for their sins. And he can actually put them into right relationship with you, Father God. I pray that you would just give them that gift of faith to believe it. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.